0: Well, Texas Tech is the biggest non-conference game that Oregon has this year, but there are two other ones and they set up well for Oregon for different reasons. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day for watching on YouTube, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you haven't already, like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, wherever you listen to or watch the show, we hit our goal of getting to 3,000 on YouTube. You know what the next goal is? It's to go to four. Just keep grinding, just keep climbing, keep the reviews coming on Apple Podcasts as well. The other non-conference games that are not Texas Tech, which we'll be getting to uh, sometime later in the week, what to watch for in said games, and a little mailbag Monday. So let's start with the other two non-conference games. So game one is less than a month away. I'm going to pause. I'm going to let that sit in there for just a little bit. Let that marinate a bit. Enjoy the fact that a real, tangible, actual, meaningful, impactful, counting college football game played by the Ducks is less than a month away. That's pretty exciting stuff. That's the first part. The second part is that that game is is against Portland State on September 2nd at Autzen Stadium. That game is week one. And then week three, the Rainbow Warriors of Hawaii— Team of one-time quarterback Colt Brennan, R.I.P. the late Colt Brennan. I remember those teams very well. Hawaii is not exactly on that level anymore, but that's the other team that comes to Oregon or that comes to Autzen Stadium in the non-conference slate before league play begins. So the Ducks have made two, I think, advantages for themselves with this year's schedule, and it's the way that the non-conference is set up. So last year it was set up in basically the most difficult way possible, right? You had one Power 5, one FCS, and one G5, which for the record is what I think every Power 5 non-conference schedule should look like for every Power 5 team in the country. That's, that, that's what I think it should look like. You should have a G5, you should have an FCS, and you should have a Power 5. But I don't always get what I want, but that's what Oregon has here. And this year, Portland State being first is great. Portland State being the first game of the year is great for several reasons. Number one, that's an FCS school and we're not going to have to sweat it out week one. We should not have to anyway. Barring a catastrophic, cataclysmic, apocalyptic disaster at Autzen Stadium, which I'm not anticipating will be OK. Portland State, we should be able to cruise to a victory there. Then we go play Texas Tech, then we come back and play Hawaii And then conference play begins. Now, we are going to be a massive favorite against Portland State and a massive favorite against Hawaii. They don't have the exact lines out for the game yet uh, against uh, against Hawaii, but Stanford in week one is at Hawaii. Stanford's going to be the worst team in the Pac-12, and they're a nine and a half point favorite. Oregon's going to be one of the best in the Pac-12. They're at home. That line is going to be well over 20, I would imagine. So we shouldn't have a problem there either. But... The reason this shakes out really well for the Ducks is that in week one, you get a chance to kind of get your feet under yourself, right? And even if you have an experienced veteran team, I think that's an advantage. I think it's good to be able to come out and not have to play at your absolute positive best in the first week of the season. And Oregon will not have to do that against Portland State. That's the first advantage. The second advantage is, yeah, you have a fifth-year quarterback in Bo Nix, but look at what Bo Nix is working with here new offensive line there are some returners but he's got a new center he's gonna have a new left tackle and he's got a new offensive coordinator too now all throughout fall camp ongoing as we speak or i guess as i speak and you listen but you get the general idea there all throughout fall camp they're going to be implementing this new offense bo nix has seen a lot of football he's played a lot of football he knows a lot of football but still when you're learning a new system The verbiage can be different. The audibles can be a little bit different. You might have new formations that you're introducing. Having the ability for your guys, experienced or not, to work all that stuff out in week one is, I think, a big advantage for the Ducks. Not just as it pertains to their record, you know, not starting 0-1, not starting on such a terrible note like it did in 2022. We'll start off with a win we'll start off comfortably being at 1-0, which is just kind of a nice feeling regardless of who you play. So Oregon will be in the preseason top 25. They will be 1-0 and they'll go down to Texas Tech and that'll raise the stakes for that matchup, With which I think is nothing but good news for the Ducks. But you just give everyone live game reps. I know it's against an FCS opponent, but still, those are college football players. It's better than going up against the guys in practice who you've seen every day for, you know, all of fall camp and spring ball as well. Like, it's better when you go up against another team, even if it's an FCS school. So it's it's a tune-up game of sorts. It's a, what a preseason game serves to do in the NFL. I think that is great for the offensive line, which has got a lot of moving parts. And it's great for the offensive coordinator-quarterback relationship. And it's great for the defense as well. Defense last year had some communication lapses or didn't always look like they were getting the calls in on time or that they were not always, you know, in, in sync or running the right step. Like some, there were moments, not a lot of them, but there were moments where it was a little bit disconjointed, and when, where it wasn't looking exactly the way that you wanted it to. So hopefully Portland State comes out, which I suspect they will, very aware of what is taking place in that game, which is Oregon is paying Portland State to come to Hudson Stadium so that the Ducks can get a win. But that's not going to stop Portland State from coming out and trying to win. Portland State very nearly beat a Power 5 opponent in Oregon State back in 2017. Now, that was a terrible, terrible, no-good, very bad Oregon State team. And they wouldn't be able to do that to the Beavs today with Jonathan Smith over there. But these FCS schools are going to come out and try. Because it happens. We've seen Eastern Washington do it to the Beavs. We saw Washington lose to Montana. Like It has happened before. Arizona's lost to NAU. So... I want Portland State to come out, not thinking, ah, we're just trying to get in, get out of here with no injuries, make it as quick and as painless as possible. I want them to come out swinging. I want them to come out hungry, and I suspect that they will. I've called games in that conference before with Portland State. You and I don't think, you you might not think as much of Portland State football and whatnot and say, ah, there's no history, there's no tradition, there's no, pet, there's no anything like that. Guys around that program, I guarantee you they want to play. And the opportunity as an FCS school to play against a Power 5 opponent – All those kids are going to look at it as I'm going to get on the field in game reps against a Pac-12 contender and have the opportunity to showcase what I can do. So I hope they come out, they pull out all the stops, they push Oregon as much as they possibly can. And I also hope and fully expect the Ducks to win by a lot. So I think that's a really, really big thing for the Ducks this year and, and that that is a schedule that lines up more favorably than it did last year. Whereas last year you went Georgia. And then you went to the layup game of sorts, the bye game against Eastern Washington, and then you went BYU, and then you went into conference play. I didn't love that sequence. I like the sequence of this year's games. Now, Hawaii's not going to be as tough a matchup as BYU was a year ago. You might be saying, Spencer, we were up 38 to 7 against BYU. Ty Thompson got into the game for goodness sake. Yeah, that's because it was an exceptionally good day. That was a 2-0 BYU team. That had just knocked off a Baylor team uh, that that had high expectations going into last season. And BYU kind of derailed their season there, winning that game in, in Provo. Then they came to Autzen Stadium. We promptly humbled them. They went back to Provo and their season eh, ended up just okay. I think they ended the year eight and five uh, winning, winning a bowl game. But that game was supposed to be tougher than it was. Oregon in that game was a three and a half point favorite a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Now, Vegas at the time maybe wasn't sure coming off the Georgia game just how good Oregon was, and you can't really tell that off a game against Eastern Washington. But that wasn't supposed to be a blowout. That was supposed to be a little tougher. This game against Hawaii is going to be easier. Hawaii is just not the sort of program that, that BYU is. They will be tougher than Portland State, no doubt. But I love that we have the Portland State game before we play Texas Tech, and that game is going to be tough. It is going to be a dogfight. They are they are a good football team. They were good a year ago. That I expect them to be good again. We'll be going up against Tyler Shuck. You know, as as fun of a matchup as that's going to be, it's going to be about what Oregon is able to do, and they'll show us some real potential there or not in week two, and we'll kind of see what what we have. But then after that game, which is going to be physical, it's going to be dragged out. Then we come back and get Hawaii at home. And that should be a whole heck of of a lot easier. Now, in both of these games, the Portland State and the Hawaii games, we should see a lot of guys who are not necessarily starters. Who might some of those starters be? Starters or not, they can benefit from checking out eBay Motors because for a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage, look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Just like in sports confidence is the name of the game when you shop on ebay motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time and it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply get the right parts the right fit and the right prices on ebaymotors.com ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay a lovely and refreshing Oregon water second segment sip here on this Monday fun fact as you listen to or watch this show I am not actually in Oregon I'm in Oregon as you can see from the setup here as I have been all summer I'm just gonna leave that element of mystery out there but we have our second segment sip so let's get into our second segment so in each of these games I expect Oregon to win I expect them to win comfortably and last year against Eastern Washington, the final score was seventy to fourteen. Quick side note: just going back to the Portland State game for a second, I will be a little disappointed if Portland State is able to notch more than ten points. Like if they, like last year, they scored two touchdowns. And after that Eastern Washington game, I thought, boy, they didn't even execute everything as well as they were capable of. I, I, I didn't love that effort from the defense. Then they played exceptionally well the next week against BYU. But then those problems kind of came to fruition later in, in the season. So I hope that's a dominant defensive effort. I would love to see a shutout. I would I would love for Oregon to just blank Portland State 45 to nothing. That would be in, incredibly satisfying and would boost my confidence level in the defense going into this season. But, 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 but. I expect a blowout there regardless of what the final score actually ends up being. And I expect one against Hawaii as well. So... I wanted to run through the guys who we should expect to see or who we should maybe be wanting to see get playing time as we get a glimpse into the future, which is the nice thing about these games. They don't just give you an opportunity to, you know, give your starters a little bit of rest or, you know, give your team a tune-up game of of sorts. Again, you're not going to take anybody lightly, but it'll be wildly expected that Oregon's going to be able to take care of both these teams without any problems regardless of what happens against Texas Tech like the absolute worst Oregon could possibly be going into league play in my view is two and one and I think they're going to be able to go three and know oh, but boy that Texas Tech game is going to be uh pretty it's going to be pretty darn tough but players to watch in these games if the scores get out of hand and reserves are coming into the game who are the top reserves that we want to see that are going to be players going forward? Could be players going forward, or could just be interesting guys to watch. Number one, we all know who this is going to be. It's Ty Thompson. It's Ty Thompson because what else do we have to wonder about? Several other things, but what's the biggest thing we have to wonder about going into twenty twenty four? Who's our quarterback going to be? What what's the quarterback of the future? Look, what are we going to see? Is it going to be Ty Thompson? Once the, once the score gets out of hand, that's, it, that's what it has been the last two years. And he hasn't impressed. What if he comes in this year, and let's say against Portland State, leads a couple of good-looking touchdown drives. People say, well, it's an FCS opponent. Okay, all's fair. Hawaii's a higher level of competition playing in the Mountain West. What if Ty Thompson comes in midway through the third quarter, and he goes 8 of 10 for 122 yards and two touchdowns? Do we feel better about him all of a sudden? I would. If he looked like he was in command of the offense, if he was consistent, if he was accurate, if he was executing and making reads the way that he, you know, maybe hasn't to this point at this point in time, if he looks more confident than he has, that's the biggest name to watch for, of course, is what's the backup quarterback situation. And, you know, frankly, is it like, is it even going to be Ty Thompson? I would suspect it is, but maybe Novosad flies up the depth chart. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Nova Sad gets a couple drives in there. I would love for that to be the case. I would also love that whenever the backup quarterback or quarterbacks get in the game, they're allowed to actually run the normal offense and they're not just in there to hand the ball off. I, I understand, you know, you don't want to give the illusion of like, oh, they're just trying to beat them down too much. Like, no, we're trying to get better. I, I've just, I reject that notion wholeheartedly, frankly. Like, oh my gosh, you need to, like, are, we're, are we protecting feelings in football? Really? Football? Everybody on both sidelines understand what's taking place in in these sorts of games, or what should take place. But you shouldn't worry about people saying, "Hey, you should have let up on them when you were up by 40 points." If you're throwing the ball with your second and third string quarterback, like no, Oregon's got to take every chance they can get to improve and use it to the best best of their ability. So hopefully that they're not just in there to hand the ball off. But there is also a factor of you hand the ball off, you run the clock, you avoid injuries, but that's why you want guys in the game who are not necessarily uh, regular starters or or key contributors, and Oregon certainly has enough depth to do that. I would love to see an entire team of just like second teamers or third teamers now who in 2024, we, we look back and say, boy, they were a part of that game or that moment uh, or that series of games during you know some blowouts where Oregon was... You know, up big, and they got in the game, and we saw the potential, and then it got realized years later. That'd be pretty neat. So, Ty Thompson be one. Another, this, this, these are ranked by the way. These are the players I'm most most interested in. Any of the 2023 defensive linemen. I don't care if it's Blake Purchase or Tatum Tuioti on the edge, or you can look on the interior and and look at just a, a variety. of a variety of guys because they brought in remember 10 defensive linemen in the class of 2023 whether it's Amari Washington or Mikhail Gardner or just like keep you just keep going down down the list Tavita Pamea, uh, the the freshman in there Terrence Green Ashton Porter any of them right because if Oregon's going to build this sort of defense that we want him to and that Lanning wants them to have got to start on the defensive line those guys got to pop and I'd be curious to see if we see any reps where you know, in the game where we go, whoa, 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 that, that was, that was a dominant player right there. <laughs> like that guy looked really good. Um, so that's, that's the second thing. Third position group slash player uh, that'll be watching the defensive backs, the three freshmen that come in in this class as the highest rated corners, Cole Martin, Roderick Pleasant, Dalen Austin. Now Martin uh, is already has, a, we've already seen him a little bit and that's why I'm excited for him because boy, He looked so good. Like, I look at him, I see Thomas Graham. I see Thomas Graham with a little bit more explosive speed. So, I love what I see from him. Might see more of that this year. I don't know that he cracks the regular rotation because Oregon has so many DBs, right? It's TriQuest Bridges. You've got Kyrie Jackson. They brought in Nico Reed. You have Taishin Johnson, Evan Williams on the back end with Brian Addison and Steve Stevens. Then you have Jolo Florence who can be in the mix. Uh, You have Dante Manning who's out there as well. I, I think it's just hard. To, to get past those guys in their experience. But that's why I'm talking about him in these moments. Cole Martin, and then the two fallen rollies, Roderick Pleasant, the speedster, probably, I think he was listed as the second fastest uh, player at any position in the 2023 cycle. Got him over USC a while back. And and then Dalen Austin, really highly rated corner that Oregon was able to flip from LSU after Caleb Presley flipped from Oregon uh, to, to the Huskies. So... Interested to see what we have there because those are, again, most important positions. Defensive line on the on the defensive side of the ball. Defensive line, corner. You want to have a great defense, you know what you're going to have? You're going to have great defensive linemen. You're going to have great corners. You're going to have great players elsewhere too. But you have to have those in a pass-happy world of football. Number four, and this again is a tie. couldn't pick just one, but on the pass catchers, a trio. Kyler Casper, who I'm really high on. Jurion Dickey, who's going to be rocking number 99, by the way. I love that. Because one day, that guy in the NCAA football video game that's coming out in uh, summer 2024, he could be a 99 overall. He's that sort of dude. Now, he won't be that right away, but he could get there one day. He's got that sort of talent. So I'd look at Casper and Dickey, see how much we see them, and Kenyon Sadiq as well. And look, I wonder where Kenyon Sadiq fits into the rotation of tight ends uh, regularly when the game is not a blowout but he's third at the highest I'm not saying he won't ever see the field or make meaningful catch this year but he's third at the highest and he might not be third and he's also you know kind of a hybrid tight end wide receiver type so maybe they split him out wide maybe like what do they do with it I don't know uh, I think he's a really, really intriguing physical prospect. Uh, and then the only other uh, solo individual that I'm that I'm excited to watch, aside from Ty Thompson, if Oregon's able to get these two games against Portland State and Hawaii uh, in control the way they should, is Dante Dowdell. And look, I, I, I like Jaden Lamar, don't get me wrong, but my excitement level for Dowdell is higher than Lamar because I think his physical traits give him a higher ceiling. Like If you told me right now, Hey, Noah Whittington and Buck Irving are both going to the NFL. I could make an argument that Dante Dowdell could be the number one running back for the Ducks in 2024. Jordan James is going to have something to say about it. Talented dude, experienced. I think he is more than just a goal line back or is capable of being as such. But I'm curious how those guys get used this year. I would love to see them in a goal line package, like a dual backfield of running backs that feature Dante Dowdell and Jordan James in the red zone. One can lead block for the other. They're just such physical guys that run downhill, you know, kind of C.J. Verdell types, but I think Dowdell's got a little bit more explosiveness and uh, second element to his game than Verdell did. So um, those those would be the groups or guys that I'm most interest, interested to see. So just to recap, Ty Thompson, the 2023 defensive lineman, which of the freshmen get in there and pop? Uh, Any of the defensive backs, corners specifically, Cole Martin, Roderick Pleasant, Dale, and Austin. Interested to see safeties too, but I think you can tell more about uh, the the corners in a situation like that. Pass catchers, Kyler Casper, Jurion Dickey, Kenyon Sadiq, and then Dante Dowdell uh, at the running back spot as well. All right, it's time for the mailbag. Did you know that you can all be a part of the mailbag? I bet you everydayers out there do, because I talk about it every day here on the show. Mailbag, frankly, has been backed up for a while. There was this other news story to talk about. It was, what was it? Oh, yeah, the existential crisis facing the Pac-12, which, fun fact, as I record the show, I actually don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, that's how technology works. It's pretty amazing. So. Mailbag, YouTube comments, or hit me up on Twitter at Smalls underscore fifty five or at Locked On Ducks. DMs and mentions wide open. Always ask all your questions as we head into the season, and I can save you some time from asking a question. I will at some point. Like you know, every every show gets planned out kind of the day the day before. It depends on what the news is and such, but every position group will be broken down at some point between uh, between next week and the start of the season that is going to be the plan there. So, mailbag. This from Peyton. Hey man, I got a question. Could be a mailbag, but it could probably take a few seconds to answer with the recent success of the baseball team. Having six guys drafted, tying a school record, hosting a super regional and eight players in major league baseball, most in the Pac-12, three in the na- number 3 number 3 in the nation. Could you see an increase in spending for the program, whether that'll be towards better coaches, recruiting purposes and whatever other funding could go to. So, this comes down to, to the Oregon baseball coaches themselves. Because when you're talking about fundraising, coaches have to form those relationships with donors and boosters to send money to the way of their program. I don't think we can call anything but the football team a program because that's what Landing calls it. In terms of buying coaches, you know, better coaches, so to speak, Mark Wozniakowski is really good. I mean, he's really, really good. Oregon has been a contender for the last several years. We just had, probably our best season ever we were a game away we we're one game away from going to omaha we were two outs away from going to omaha and look i am so on board with baseball becoming a more integral sport to the oregon athletics department not that other sports need to take a back seat just that the support the attention the fun everything i am so a fan of, of that all trending upwards and I think it is right now and this is how you do it you win you get interested you get interest from fans you have excitement you know I mean that thrilling series against Oral Roberts was just it was gut-wrenching to see him run out of pitching in the third game but it was an awesome series it was exciting it was fun to watch and the environment was fantastic so I don't know all the details about how they you know, get money and fundraising and everything like that. Of course, a lot of it comes from football. That's how every athletic department in the country essentially works. But when you look across the country, the best programs for baseball are largely in the SEC and they spend the most money on them. And if Oregon wants to up their commitment as a university and athletics department to baseball, I would be totally, totally on board with that. As for, As for whether it will, generally when you reach milestones not before seen in your program or not seen in a long time, that doesn't tend to make the fundraising go down. It tends to have it go in the other direction. This question from Tanya to wrap up today's show. Hi Spencer, another for the mailbag. If you could choose any two Ducks teams from history to match up against each other, what teams would they be? Like for instance, 2022 led by Knicks versus Mariota's 2012 team, and of course, which team wins? So. This is a fascinating question. I thought long and hard about it, and I came to what I thought was a logical conclusion. Oregon has played in the national championship game twice. Sadly, we have come up empty on both occasions, as we are all aware. But I went to those teams, and then I kind of bounced around like, oh, what about this team? Oh, that'd be fun. Oh, this be fun. But at the end of the day, those were the most successful teams in the history of Oregon football, reaching the national championship game. So I can't see how they aren't the most intriguing matchup to put against each other. So you have the 2010 regular season team that went 12-0, beat Tennessee, and then ran through the Pac-10. Then you have the 2014 team that lost a game at home to Arizona when Arizona was good, and then beat them in the Pac-12 championship game, routed Florida State in the college football playoff, and then lost to Ohio State in the national championship game here's where this gets interesting i think the roster in 2014 was noticeably better you had more nfl players you had one guy in particular who was playing quarterback on that team who had a pretty good career and would be the best player on the field but it would be a classic battle of is it the jimmies and the joes or the x's and the o's because if i asked you right now who's a better in-game coach 2014 Mark Helfrich, who obviously had plenty of potential and such, or 2010 Chip Kelly? I don't know. You tell me. I'm going with Chip. So this calculation comes down to, would you rather have the better players or would you rather have the better coach? And just by a sliver, I go with the better players because Mariota was there. And you had a bunch of NFL players on that team, I think their defensive line with DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead would probably be able to enforce enough of their will on that 2010 Oregon offensive line that got, you know, pushed around a little bit by Auburn in the national championship game. I think that would end up being the difference, but I do think it would be close because if you're talking about game management and preparation, I will take Chip over Helfrich any day of the week. Love that question. Back here tomorrow even though I'm not here, but I'll be here. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Appreciate everyone listening. I'll see you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.